What are the benefits of moving to platforms? What does the transition mean for visualization, leveraging latest technologies, augmented reality, accessing documentation, OEE, and operators walking the plant floor? On this podcast, we answer questions like these by having industrial thought leaders discuss computing at the edge, the OTIT convergence, and the challenges of cybersecurity management. This is Inductive Conversations with Don Pearson and today's guest, Craig Resnick, the Vice President of ARC. Hello, everyone. This is Don Pearson here. I wanted to give you a quick note about this episode. We've recorded this conversation between Craig and I two years ago at the ARC Forum, long before we even had a podcast. While the references are dated, I think Craig's insights still hold up really well and are relevant to the conversations we're all having in the industrial space. I hope you enjoy this episode and take away some valuable insights. Thanks again for listening. Again, here's my conversation with Craig Resnick. So, Craig Resnick, thanks so much for taking some time to be with us today. We appreciate your viewpoint. You know, this year at the um, at the ARC Industry Forum, the ARC Industry Forum, the theme was digitizing and securing industry, infrastructure, and cities. Um, it was also well attended as a uh, as a forum. I think largest ever. Um, can you give us a little perspective on how that theme emerges and and why it was so critical and so well received? I think because in a in a connected world, and let's look at the fact of a take a take a plant or a factory. At one time, you had separate systems for your control systems, so your DCSs, PLCs, and PACs, and that was the real time manufacturing world. Then you had separate business systems, you know, from MES and ERP. But you also had separate systems for things like controlling facility management, building automation. All these systems were completely separate. There was no communication between each system. Now, you can save money by making better control decisions on the factory floor. But if you can now feeding that information up into the business systems, into ERP, and the ability to do a better job on the supply chain, it also, based on what you're manufacturing, might drive what type of energy the plant and facility needs as far as managing the, the facility energy consumption itself. How can you do a better job of managing that? So it's really trying to look at everything more in a connected fashion and in a holistic fashion. And I think people want to see how they can you know, get, get on board with that. So it's not only really controlling the product that's being made in the plant floor, but worrying about HVAC, worrying about lighting, worrying about IT systems, and having it as to one you know, connected, converged system. No, that makes sense. You know, could you tell us a little bit about the ARC Advisory Group? Um, you've been with them for a great number of years now, and I know your focus is on the control systems and production management and MES and SCADA, and uh, I know that's where we cross over with inductive automation and the work that we do. But can you give us a little little bit of perspective on what is ARC, what does it do, and how is it broken up, how does it bring value out into the industry? Well, a ARC uh, back in 1986, the, 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 the acronym at the time stood for Automation Research Corporation. And it was founded by Andy Chatha, and he wrote market studies primarily for DCSs, PLCs, drives, you know, more of the industrial automation equipment, you know, transmitters. And it, it got to the point where as that industry began to evolve and going into MES and production management and getting into uh, Ethernet network, you know, Ethernet, putting Ethernet on the factory floor, 
Um, as the manufacturing world expanded, ARC needed to expand with it. So how we help customers is we still continue to write these market studies. And today there's over 100 studies that ARC sells. They're updated usually annually or every other year, depending upon the, uh, the market and the, and the demand for the product. And then what we have is we have three kinds of clients that subscribe to our services. We provide advisory services. The first type of client would be people that sell to the automation uh, industrial world, uh, the major suppliers. Um, and that can range anything from startup companies uh, all the way through the, you know, certainly the, glo you know, Fortune 10 companies. Then we have companies that make things. So it's the, from the largest oil companies in the world to the largest automotive companies in the world. They also subscribe to ARC for advice and guidance and for research. And then the third type of client we have are the financial analysts, the, the, the companies that actually are making the buy, sell, and hold decisions on various stocks because they're looking for long-term guidance as far as where are trends in the marketplace going and where they should be, what, what companies they see have a better prognosis based on who is aligning best uh, with those trends. Um, so it's a combination of selling studies, having this, um, this uh, client uh, subscription uh, packages, and at the same time doing custom research where if there's something that you specifically uh, want to know and want to learn about to help your business and we'll go ahead and do uh, custom projects. Um, the result of all that is we do events all over the world uh, such as the ARC Forum in Orlando, Florida that you were referring to um, because we need a gathering places where the uh, manufacturers and processors and these people that sell into the industrial world as well as the financial community can all meet you know, under one roof and uh, collaborate and listen to presentations from manufacturers and processors and uh, network and collaborate and be able to kind of keep up with the latest uh, trends and uh, help them run, do a better job running their businesses. That's great. I think it puts a little perspective on where it is. I want to go back to the forum, not the exact theme of it, but one of the things that I noticed at this year's forum is it was pretty crowded. There was a, you know, a record attendance. Um, and, and we're there every year, and, and we certainly had conversations with a lot of end users where the end users seem to be getting pretty darn demanding. They're demanding change, you know, they're very demanding. And it's changed over the last five, six years that, that uh, inductive automation's been coming uh, to the forums. Dis disruptive technologies, the demand for action now, um, some of the challenges that surround that. I, I heard, heard a World Economic Forum statistic that well, 84% of business owners know that over the next five years, they're going to have a major disruption in the way they operate from IOT, Industry 4.0. Only 7% of them have a strategy for getting there. Can you talk a little bit about how these disruptive technologies and the demand from end users, is how that's all playing out as you see it in the market? Well, one of the reasons that the forum uh, was so well attended this year, I think it was a record attendance, uh, actually, the one in uh, Orlando, uh, was because people are seeing all this change. They're reading about this change, but put your statistic of the 7% that has actually done something. Yeah. There's such a fear um, of making the wrong decision. You know, people are like, I can do nothing and probably save my job by doing nothing, or I can do something where I could possibly be a hero to the organization but at the same time, the price of failure 
does not offset, you know, the reward of success. Sure, exactly. So what they want to do is they really want to make sure that they go after, I would say, the, the low-hanging fruit, you know, where they can make an investment and have absolute certainty in the results to kind of guarantee that they don't look like they've uh, made a very, very bad in investment. So I think what the forum does is it allows the collaboration and hopefully some of the 7% that you mentioned are attending the forum and presenting their cases and to share with take, the rest of the folks. Share with the rest of the folks, so they can, uh, so they can, you know, kind of bring that knowledge uh, back to their plant or uh, factory, and try to say that you know, based on what other people have done. And and what's interesting with this forum is, even though there's people here from the you know from the the full spectrum of manufacturing and processing, they may take a case study in oil and gas and apply it to pulp and paper, and saying that so even though the vertical may be very different. But they're trying to be see what they can learn from analogous technologies that maybe they could they could bring with them. So it's so even if you're even if it's from different industries, they want to really get that that full perspective of what type of solutions are out there, what has worked. Uh, typically, um, we only allow end users to speak at our forums. We don't allow suppliers or the financial community to speak. We allow them to participate on panels. But the reason is, is that people don't want the forum to be a series of, a, of sales pitches. They want to learn about what has happened. And, and most important from those sessions is the lessons learned. Because they're not looking, we realize no project is utopia. They want to hear of, a, we tried this, this failed, this didn't work. Looking in the, you know, if we're going to back to football, Monday morning quarterback, yeah. if they're looking in the rearview mirror, what would they have done differently so they can hopefully not make some of the same mistakes of kind of, I'd say, the, the, the pioneers that have kind of made, taken the early steps to go forward? Sure. If we take a look um, and add on to that with a little bit of look about what might be called a mega trend, um, you mentioned Andy starting the forum 20 some years ago. This is, it was the 22nd year this year. And he talked a lot in the keynote about platforms and the move to platforms. It's certainly something, obviously, we're minorly biased in that area because Ignition's a platform and we believe platforms are important. I'd never heard it so, so much emphasized from the podium to the general session about how folks are looking differently and how they build out their organizations. What, why do you see this? move towards platforms or do you see it oh, as something really going let, let me forward? say this it's to the point that companies that don't have a platform are saying they have a platform and make sure some, these people think yes, they have a platform. they all think they have a platform and what we really so so people come to arc and say what do, what do you have to have in a platform a platform has to be kind of one coherent unit where that has all the necessary software tools plug and play connected and enables you to so from not only to connect to the products communicate with the products have the right analytic tools to make the right decisions and be able to be to the point where the product can be visualized and leverage a lot of the latest technologies for example you know one of the things that excite us a lot at ARC is the use of augmented and mixed reality because if you're you know with with all the focus on maintenance and the fact is is that when the baby boomer retires and they're replaced with a millennial who understands how to use the latest tools but doesn't necessarily understand what's going on on the process uh, 
knowing the fact that walking a plant floor that has a combination of equipment from brand new to sometimes 30, 40 years old, um, they need to have that guidance as they're walking. So if they're steering at a box, for example, maybe it's a drive, augmented reality helps them to see what's inside that box without having to open the door and maybe put, expose themselves to a safety issue because of exposing themselves, say, to high voltage. Sure. Um, it also enables them to pull on, the, for example, I need a drawing. You know, how was that drive installed? How was that drive wired? And knowing the fact that they'd probably have no idea where the original drawings are for that drive or when, the, when it was installed, but now have the ability to access the, that, that documentation as they're walking the floor. Uh, whether it be through QR code or GPS technology to know where they are in the plant to make sure they get that right information. So it, it's really a situation where you have to augment the staff based on the fact that you're having a change of the talent pool that's coming on the factory floor. I mean, at one time, as we all know, the control room was very heavily staffed with operators. Many times they had been there for you know, 10, 20, 30 years. And then you had separate maintenance people on the, on the factory floor. Today, they're you know, doing more with less, and sometimes they're asking those operators now to do dual roles and to walk the factory floor and do some of the maintenance functions. So they need to take the screen that they would have on their console and essentially through a wearable type of product, be able to walk the floor and be able to get some of that HMI level information as they're walking the floor and knowing the fact that if they're looking doing some diagnostics and need to figure out why there's a jam on the on the line and it's all in the name of you know minimizing you know the the the, the blasphemy of manufacturing is unscheduled or unplanned downtime so what can you do when something is not produ producing when your when your key performance indicators such as OEE for example right are beginning to decline you need to know that dynamically rather than waiting for a, to run a batch report from the last shift to say, hey, our OE went from 82 to 81%. Now you want to be able to understand if it's beginning to decline so you can now find the source of the decline. Maybe it's a jam in a, in a line. Maybe it's a problem in the supply chain on a conveyor for a flow of product. But be able to fix that while it's happening, not look in the rearview mirror and, and while, it, while it's too late. So uh, those, those are really, really key technologies. And, and, I, and the thing is, is that people want to know if they invest in a platform, that that platform is going to be able to support all those technologies. Sure, sure. To that point, let me build on that a little bit, because I do know that um, certainly inductive automation has been a, a really big proponent of shifting how one architect, mm -hmm. uh, what topology one builds out and as one moves to this IIoT enterprise, the smart factory, the digital enterprise. And, and we've, we've certainly pushed the idea that you need, to, you need to decouple those applications from the devices and you need to bring data into an infrastructure so that you can have access to it any place. I know you wrote a, a paper, well, you, you guys have things called ArcViews on various topics, and this one falls into your expertise, and it was called Creating Modern Open Enterprise Architectures in the IIoT Age. I know we can't go into the depths of this, it's six, eight pages long, but can you give a capsulization of what do you see the architecture kind of requirements? How do people need to think differently about architecture if they're going to get the benefits of big data and connect the whole enterprise? You know, th there was a time certainly in the, in the beginning of our careers, where anything that you were measuring or sensing, whether it be, you know, temperature, pressure, level of flow, or 
an on-off proximity sensor, photoelectric sensor. The destination for that information was always to a program, you know, a PLC, a DCS system. Um, today, we're saying some of that information is not just to make control decisions. Some of that information is to make decisions on maintenance, decisions on, you know, asset wearability. And the best place to send that information is not always going to be the control system. So in today's world, and especially with the advent of the low-cost sensing, so you can now embed sensing devices, let's say, into the gearbox to measure things like bearing temperature and oil viscosity. Now, that's the, that you're not going to invest in upgrading or adding I.O., for example, to a DCS or a PLC for those measurements because it's, it's not going to help you make a PID decision. It's not going to help you make a, you know, a, a decision on a PLC to turn something on or turn something off. But that is something that if you're beginning to detect wear, that can go up into the enterprise system, the MES system, the production management system, and say that that particular gearbox, is, it looks like it's going to be wearing out. Now what we can do is we can go back to the manufacturer of that gearbox and maybe order another one. But sometimes as these older assets get retrofitted with low-cost sensing, those assets are not manufactured anymore. Sometimes the companies that made them are no longer in business. So what you're trying to do is you may have to have a brand new gearbox made and find another company to build it for you. So you have, you're talking about sometimes you could have 12 to 16 week lead times to even identify the source. So the idea is, is getting that information as early as possible. And then you can now get a new gearbox order, get a new, get it, get it scheduled, do a planned shutdown to do the replacement. Maybe then you can now schedule some other things that need to be done as part of that maintenance. So the architectures of today have to really be a hybrid of, of, of far more sensors and not only looking, thinking from a control system strategy and going through like a traditional, say, ISA 95 chain, but be able to send that information up to, to the cloud providers and be able to make those type of business decisions so you can do a better job, you know, doing asset performance management is what we might call it. Sure. You talk about getting data to other places just for this and operations purposes. You can't read anything these days. And you you wrote an article at the beginning, uh, either it was the end of last year or the beginning of this year. I think it was the end of last year called Top Technology Trends and Automation for 2018. Um, and one of them clearly was computing at the edge. Yes. Computing at the edge. You're talking about that right now when you're saying let's get some data from the edge that goes someplace else. Um, why the big focus on the edge and, and any additional comments you wanted to make about edge trend? Because at one time, real time was only what went from the, you know, the traditional sensors to the control system. In the business systems, no one really cared about real time. It was just, you know, run a, a batch report, run a shift report and look in the rearview mirror and say, how did we do? Today, you cannot run a business unless you're bringing real time to the business systems as well as the automation systems. So you need to be in a position that you're gathering data and making decisions where the, where the measurement is occurring. And in a world where, for example, even though with everything collect, you know, with the opportunity to connect things to the cloud, there's a certain amount of latency that can sometimes exist between going from where the measurement is happening getting that data to the cloud and, and doing the necessary, running the necessary analytics and then sending some sort of an output based on what that uh, measurement is telling you. 
So it's far more efficient if you can make that, and especially with the embedded technologies and the, certainly the progress we've made with, 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 with chips and microprocessors, if you can do that computing where the measurement is happening. And now you can actually make decisions in, in real time you know, at the edge or at, at, at the point of measurement rather than having to send it off to another location because in many cases, the, um, the, you know, sometimes losing that second or two seconds can make all the difference in the world between, uh, between making the right or the wrong decision based on that measurement. Sure. So the edge is one of the fastest growing areas you know, in, in, in the industrial segment and again, it's really being driven by the, the advent in mi of microprocessor technology and the, these all the different and various you know, analytics company providers that are writing these tools that can be embedded into these, into these devices. Sure. And I think there's still a, you know, kind of a, a mixed feeling about the cloud in manufacturing in the respect that people are very, very happy to use the cloud at an IT level. They're very happy to use the cloud to be the historian so they can archive, you know, the terabytes of data that they're collecting. But obviously there's some people that still feel that when you're making real-time control decisions, we'd like to keep it at a local basis. And that's really why what we see in the future is these hybrid edge cloud solutions where people are doing the real-time control uh, for both you know, both to the traditional control systems as well as, you know, for asset management at the edge and then sending a lot of the data that can be stored and archived and using the cloud because that's the most, uh, you know, securest and the most cost effective thing to do to manage that data. No, that's really good. You know, we only have a little bit of time left, but uh, because I was able to get you to agree to sit down with me, which I'm very much pleased that you would, I'm going to take advantage of all this expertise you've got. So I'm going to ask a couple of more of these trend questions for your comments. We can't have a discussion without at least talking about the challenge of cybersecurity management in the industrial world. Uh, at the, uh, it's every year for the last few years, and it was extremely crowded this year um, with all the sessions on cybersecurity on Monday at the conference. So. Um, can you at least make some comment on the direction and the importance and the trend you see there and the, the criticalness of cybersecurity management? I think the trend and a lot of it's being accelerated by this uh, OTIT convergence is at one time that level of expertise really didn't disseminate into the OT world. The OT world either wasn't connected or it was essentially a, a series of islands because most of the time the connection was through the control system networks that might hook up from sensors to IO to the various controllers. So you'd have more of the proprietary plant-wide networks. Then obviously with the advent of technologies like ethernet, you know, you know, you know, coming to the factory floor and now that ability now with convergence with business systems along with the control systems, it really brought to the light, you know, now somebody from the outside could theoretically go in and uh, make an impact on the control system. And you certainly had the case of, let's say, for example, uh, Stuxnet. You've had the case at Aramco with uh, people, you know, with, with thumb drives, for example, being able to corrupt the systems. So we look at the cybersecurity more as a, as a journey. It's not as if there is any one magic solution. I mean, 
But the thing we're noticing, certainly for the industrial automation providers, is now they're building their systems with connectivity and cybersecurity in mind. No longer are they just saying, we'll build our systems the way we've traditionally done it in the past, and we'll let IT worry about the firewall. Now we're thinking in terms of even as people are introducing up the latest versions of DCSs and PLCs and and you know with the open product you know with the open process group that you uh, saw at the at the forum, it's to design some an open DCS, but obviously one that is uh, is as cyber secure as something that would be designed, let's say traditionally for the IT world in the past. So it's really seeing that 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 uh, that cybersecurity extending into the industrial automation space. And now, when people are designing a motor or a breaker, they're thinking cybersecurity. Would you ever have thought of a cybersecurity? Not that long ago, breaker? you wouldn't have. That's true. But now, because they realize that could someone want to hack into that breaker and be able to cause a major disruption in a, in a plant or a facility, and so what you really now think that if it's connected you know that the opportunity is going to be there for somebody that may want to have access to it. Sure. I would say maybe just as a final question, the last trend I was going to ask you about, you started to get into anyway, which is the OTIT convergence and how we're really, we're really going towards building one enterprise. It's going to be, you know, the, from the edge to the cloud and all these trends you've talked about here. I really was pleased to, to, to have you be willing to sit down with me because we're just launching this podcast and have an early guest that has the breadth of your knowledge is, is much appreciated. Is there anything else you might want to comment on just as a final thing that you think, uh, I mean, you kind of know, uh, you've been to our Ignition Community Conference and spoken for a couple of years. We've worked on things with you uh, and, and certainly you've got a sense of what our company's all about. So you've got a little sense of maybe some of who our listeners might be. Um, any final comments either on OTIT convergence or building the digital enterprise or that you'd like to share as we wrap up here? Well, I would say that as we've watched, you know, our forums evolve, as we watch your conference evolve, look at the demographics of who's attending these conferences. You know, 10 years ago, 99% of everybody from a, a plant or a factory came from the OT world. And slowly but surely, the IT people are trying to attend these conferences because they want to learn about the OT world. They want to learn about, for example, um, you know, what, what real time really means, for example. Um, at the same time, there's, a, there's the fascination by IT when they look at the factory floor and say that, why do you, are you using equipment that's 25, 30, 35 years <laughs> old? When, when, our, when, our, when our life cycle is uh, sometimes three or four, exactly. or four years, some, sometimes we compare it to the fact that a, uh, you know, a, a four-year-old um, dog is, is equivalent to a 28-year-old human being. And sometimes, so we look at it and sometimes in human years and, and dog years based on the difference in, uh, in life cycles. So we, 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 we're really seeing the fact that these people, and sometimes I have to admit it's been forced on them where, you know, through different cutbacks or whatever that IT and OT have been told, you're going to have to find a way to, to make this happen and work together. And and we're starting to see those internal firewalls beginning to come down. Some of it is the fact that as the baby boomers uh, have continued to retire, um, the people that are replacing them don't have all of that, that legacy, you know, a lot of that le the, the, the legacy feelings about that uh, us versus them. Sure. And they look at it as, as, as we and, and as a team. So as the people are evolving in these plants, that's also helping to accelerate the convergence and the appreciation of what each side 
uh, has brought to the table. Again, cybersecurity has always been an expertise on the IT side. When OT sees their products being connected, instead of looking at as IT as an internal competitor within the within the organization, now they're looking at them as, can you help me secure my motors and my drives? Uh, at one time, they would not have done that. Now that IT is working with OT, instead of looking at them as people who are look, working with, um, you know, equipment that, uh, you know, from a last generation, they are now saying, boy, isn't it, in, wouldn't it be great if you can help me understand what does real time mean? I just can't, I just can't do a patch or an upgrade arbitrarily in the middle of a production run. So help me figure that out. How do I, how do, I do that and not stop production? So it, it, what they're finding is, is that the, as the firewalls internally begin to come down, they're looking at the assets that each of them bring to the table. And uh, so we're, 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 it's, a, it's an evolution, not a revolution. But each and every year, we're seeing uh, more and more uh, the convergence uh, ex continue to accelerate. Greg Resnick, I really appreciate your time. I thank you for joining me. And I really appreciate you sharing a perspective and what you bring with you in terms of the background. So to you and the advisory, uh, you know, ARC advisory, much appreciated. Well, thank you very much and uh, happy to uh, share our thoughts with you anytime. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Hey listeners, this is a quick reminder to subscribe to our podcast if you're enjoying the conversations. Also, if you have a topic or a question you'd like us to cover, or if you're interested in being a guest on a future episode, then please send your inquiries to podcast at inductiveautomation.com.